When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom T20 World Cup Daily Podcast. I'm Yasrana and to talk through Australia's win over Ireland and figuring out what that means for England is the managing editor of Wisdom.com, Ben Gardner and ESPN Cook Info's Matt Roller. Um, ben, before we started recording, we were talking about how you're probably one of just a handful of cricket journalists, maybe the only one to watch every single ball of Ireland's campaign so far, including all the cricket in round one. Um, the final margin of victory initially it looked like it wouldn't have done justice to the jeopardy that was probably felt 60% through that Ireland innings. And even though in the end it wasn't massive, uh, Australia were 92 for three after 13 overs, only going at sevens, 150 didn't look off the cards. Uh, yeah, it was a funny sort of game because, um, as you say, like it's quite a convincing margin of victory. It looked like it was going to be even more convincing at one point. And yet Ireland will sort of be kicking themselves that they let it get away from them, I think. Um, I think Finch played... I, don't, I, I wouldn't at all say that this is Aaron Finch being back. I don't think he still looked especially like he was timing it sweetly like he sort of can. It was sort of a very canny, not from a very experienced player who knew there would be guys he could target. And, and after that, well, yeah, after that 30 notes, the next three went for like 53 runs or something. And that kind of decided the game, as did... The opening burst and obviously Stark can do that to anyone swinging the new ball attacking the stumps like that but to give two wickets to Glenn Maxwell in that fashion that will really really hurt them and then and then even after that you had Lorcan Tucker play absolutely brilliantly and going to the last three overs they needed what 44 and you think then if like if he manages to farm the strike well and actually it's, it almost felt like I didn't realise quite how close they were at that point like it was almost a bit like they were going through the motions there was a single so they just took it when actually if you're Tucker and you're basically seeing like a football, you're blasting everyone to like everywhere. If you face the strike, you'll back yourself to hit, you know, a couple of sixes in in every five balls and then maybe get a single. And actually you'll be getting pretty close with that. Um, so yeah, a, a, an odd game that looks like a thrashing and that I guess people won't be talking about too much come the end of the tournament, but that was interesting in its own way, I suppose. Mm. Um, Matt, one of the players who really stood out for Ireland was, was Josh Little, who's having some tournament. He's going at just over sevens across the competition. He's taking good new ball wickets. How how good is he? Is he someone you'd expect to get an I, IPL deal in the new year? That's a that's a really interesting question. I suppose it's difficult to evaluate um, outside of competitions like this because a lot of the time Ireland's um, don't play as much international cricket as they would like to. Obviously, they did have a decent fixture list um, the home summer just gone, but I don't think they play an awful lot um, in, in the 2023 summer as it stands. There's a couple of qualifying tournaments to play um, and it can be quite difficult to judge people when they're sort of, you know, the, I suppose the standout bowler in an attack, but you wonder whether that you know, that effect has some kind of impact on on how teams approach them and they sort of try and play out one guy. But I think through this World Cup, he's been really, really impressive. I mean, he, he consistently bowls at decent pace without being expressed, but I think has this um, 
he's got quite a sort of whippy wrist action, which I think enables him to get uh, find some seam movement when it's on offer and also find some extra bounce, which has been really effective um, during this competition. Um, I think he's got a rare skill in being able to bowl in all three phases of the game. I think we've we've seen him um, be pretty destructive with the new ball in this tournament, but he's he's previously d- done well at the death. And uh, and obviously, uh, Andy Balburnie's sort of been bringing him back through the middle overs today. That felt like quite a big wicket when he got Maxwell out. Um, and I think the 11th over was when he bowled his third, which was relatively early. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, he's already had a little bit of a taste, I guess, of franchise cricket around the world. Um, I suppose the key thing for that generation of Irish players is the fact they no longer have access to county cricket unless they're overseas players, which has been a real um, big shift since they got test status. And that, that was a direct result of it. Um, so, yeah, it means it's, it's, it's really important for them to try and get the, that exposure overseas and the development opportunities around the world. So I think by playing in stuff like the T10, Lanka Premier League, you know, it might not get a huge amount of attention back in Ireland or even, you know, outside of the country. It's happening in a lot of the time, but um, I, I, that seems to have really helped him. And IPL, you know, it, it's probably a bit of a stretch, but he was there as a net bowler last year with Chennai. There's every chance he'll do something similar this year if Ireland's schedule allows, I would think. And yeah, who knows when when you've started to get your name out there and um, you start to meet a few people around the franchise circuit, analysts and GMs and bowling coaches and all that sort of thing. There's a lot of uh, overlap and crossover. So who knows? Maybe he could, uh, maybe he'll impress the right person at the right time and get a deal. And you'd think he'd start to be sort of like a, a shoe in for that that next rung, I guess. Like I'd be, I'd be very surprised if a BBL team doesn't snap him up, considering they have you know good availability. Um, that he's, he's he's young and he's sort of willing to learn and that sort of thing, uh, and possibly a. a May, may be a lower price point as well because as you say he comes with those extra like he'll have that extra motivation to go to those sorts of tournaments because he's not doing much else he won't be losing out on stuff um and because he is so eager to improve and impress i guess mm. separate this is for a separate podcast but josh little playing for ireland is one of those player team combinations that just makes me want t20 cricket to have four bowlers allowed to bowl five overs rather than five bowlers been allowed to bowl four anyway um Ben, Ireland, as as well as Australia accelerated, Ireland really lost their way with the ball towards the end of the innings. Mark Adair in particular got some tap. His third over was an 11 ball over and he really struggled with a shorter boundary in particular, not really sure where to bowl, bowling too wide to kind of counteract it, but couldn't really pull it off. Uh, yeah, and, and and that's the thing. It's just such an odd odd card to look at because it was kind of that that third bowler, which was a weird sort of combination of uh, of Fian Hand, uh, Gareth Delaney and Mark Adair. Well, I guess, I guess that's what a, that fourth and fifth bowler that kind of cost them because the rest were just doing so good. But yeah, Adair is a funny one because we've, we've obviously seen him bowl really well. There's no question that he's a bad bowler. It was just a, a, a bad night at a bad time for Ireland, I think. Um, and I don't think Ireland really had a choice because they left out the, uh, the spinner in favour of Fionn Hand, who bowled obviously that brilliant ball to Stokes and was good in that game against England. But then George Dockwell bowled really well, so you're wondering then if they actually would have quite liked Simi Singh to be in that 11. But then Gareth Delaney wasn't, you know, he wasn't cheap, he was going just under 10s, and he's also not going to be a, a death bowler. And that was, the, that was the really tough thing that Adair had to then come back on and bowl that that 20th over, having already had a, you know, there's there's no recovering at that point. There's nothing you can do to really massage your figures when you've already gone and been so expensive. Um so yeah, that 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 was what cost them. But I don't. I almost. I can see why Ireland went with the team they did, uh, and I can see why they went with the choices of when to bowl bowlers they did as well. I think that it was kind of just 
just just that little bit of of, of lacking in depth, lacking that kind of all round option that meant that that they basically came up short. I think. Mm. Uh, Matt Ben's already mentioned him, but Aaron Finch scored sixty three or forty four. He was a player of the match. Um, this is in 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 some ways been the World Cup of awkward selection debates with Temba Bavuma, Safra's captain out of Nick, Aaron Finch out of Nick, and Ben Stokes, England superstar. Not, England not really sure what to do with him. Um, are you convinced he's in any sort of form despite this? Not 63 or 44 has come at a decent rate, but he was the chief beneficiary of Adair's erratic third over. Um, not hugely, no, but I don't necessarily think that means that um, it, that there's going to be a difficult decision for Australia to make. I think um, it sounds like he's, he, you know, he clearly was off the field for a bit of the run chase, and it sounds from what he said in the presentation like there's uh, he's still relatively hopeful that he'll be available to play Afghanistan, but um, I, I think that they'll we'll probably have a bit more information on that in the next couple of days. I think if he's available, he'll play just because I think it's the sort of um, it's a bit of a nuclear option at this stage after a win and after a 50 to to be talking about dropping someone. I, I'm not at all convinced he's in much form and I wouldn't be at all surprised if he if he retires from international cricket after this tournament. Um, that said, I think his T20I numbers, despite the fact he's looked pretty ungainly for a lot of the last year, his T20I numbers are nowhere near as bad as his ODI numbers were, where he really did sort of seem to fall off. I think in T20Is, he's um, he sort of scrapped hard and had to work pretty hard for his runs. And there's not been a lot of sort of, you know, you think of what Aaron Finch used to be like probably five years ago at his best. And um, he was a seriously fun player to watch. It's not been particularly enjoyable to watch him bat a lot of the time, but um, when he sort of grinds through and, um, you know, does does make ballers pay to an extent in uh, that over against the day. I think it's relatively hard to argue um, against him being in the side for, for the time being and given everything that's gone on and given where Australia are in the tournament. Um, yeah, I think Australia sort of, they still don't look like everything's right and they still don't look like they're clicking, but um, this was a, I suppose an important uh, win and important for them to get a decent total on the board as much as anything, just to give themselves a bit of confidence heading into um, what looks like it'll be a, a crunch game against Afghanistan later in the week. Mm. And the, the, the captaincy thing is is very complicated as well. I mean, obviously he's a very good, very experienced captain. I think you saw when he was off the field, but Australia base just had no idea who was leading it. They were sort of like, whenever there was a chance for review, the cameras would just sort of like scan around anyone who was having any sort of conversation. Like, is this the guy that's going to signal it? We're not really sure. Uh, it looks like that from from the, the rumblings and the presence of that they're quite keen to go back to to David Warner at some point, find a way around that lifetime leadership ban, uh, which you wouldn't think would be possible, but I'm sure they'll they'll find a loophole. Uh, but I think they probably want the space to make that decision, that transition, so that it can be sort of like stage managed and and done with an element of grace, rather than sort of making quite a a cutthroat thing in the middle of a tournament. So so say Finch were to pull up with a a hamstring injury and not be able to play a part. I don't really know what they do chemistry wise. I think that they probably wouldn't rush through the Warner thing. Then you've got possibly Smith who could come back in or you've got Cummins who's in the team, but is perhaps the most in danger of dropping out. So it's a tricky one. I think it will be weighed if, if um, Finch isn't available against Afghanistan. I think he's been the sort of nominated vice captain, not officially, um, in this tournament, but I think over the past couple of years, he's he's captain a couple of times in in Bangladesh and West Indies when um, Finch has been unavailable. So my instinct is it would be him, but um, again, you know, he's probably someone who realistically might well be playing in his last world tournament. So long term, it's um it, it's still a big question that Australia will have to answer. But I suppose World Cups are very much about the short term, and uh, yeah, they'll be hoping to just um hopefully not have too many difficult questions over the next three games and. Um, three big wins should should be enough for them to to win the trophy again. So we're mm. heading towards the pointy end pretty quickly. Mm. 
Uh, while we're on the Australia Unions, we've got to mention that piece of fielding by Barry McCarthy on the boundary, jumping behind the rope and flicking the ball back into play while it was off the ground, even by modern standards. That was ridiculous. Uh, and you guys have kind of mentioned it already, but Australia were really on it with the ball. There were some loose shots from Ireland Shaw. Harry Tector's limp pulls a square leg off Glenn Maxwell comes to mind. Um, but Ben, Mitch Stark looked, looked really good getting the swing, bowling fast. I think at one point, his average speed popped up on the TV was, was over 90 miles per hour. Um, when Matt was last on, we kind of talked about the England guys who, who are big names but don't actually play that much T20 cricket, so you're not quite sure where they're at. And, and Stark's in a similar boat. He's not played IPL cricket for years and doesn't really play that much T20 cricket around the world other than for Australia, really. Yeah, and, and they've obviously demoted him away from the new ball, which would have been unthinkable not very long ago. You know, that this is, um, and it's kind of still unthinkable now. That's what you think is, is Stark is synonymous with swing that white ball miles uh bowling he still kind of did that today though no 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 today he did yeah yeah but I, I almost think that um this was uh almost like a break from what his recent form has been like there were some stats about how he swung it more today than he has done in recent times and it did like this could have been start back to his best in that first over and that shows why you know it's i think it i am surprised still that they're not giving the new ball i think it's worth that risk uh because it can win you a game as it basically did today and it kind of showed that it can win you a game because Stark was not great from then on, basically. I think his next three overs went for four to three. Lorcan Tucker just got a hold of him, was basically doing what he wanted by the end, was scooping him one ball, was then lofting him the next. He was Tucker was absolutely amazing, and we should obviously yeah, make sure that's stressed. But Stark, when that ball wasn't swinging, it was uh, uh, he didn't really have the answers, I guess. So yeah, it's, it's still hard to work out, even with how good that over was, because of what happened afterwards. But then given how good the over was, you wonder, do you just give him the new ball? Because Cummins isn't really swinging it either. I know he, um, uh, what? Uh, it was Hayswood that got unlucky, wasn't it? With the ball that clipped the top of off stump and uh, the bail stayed on and uh, Australia did well not to review it. Um, but yeah, you kind of, I almost think that Cummins versus Hazelwood is like, you've got the two sort of contrasting things, obviously the left and right hand. You've got the one who's going to just hit the seam, top of off, be really hard to hit. And you've got the other guy, like if the pressure's built and it's swinging, then he might strike. Whereas... I kind of think that's the balance. But then it wasn't a great day overall for Stark despite the two wickets. So it's a weird one to work at where he is, I guess. Hmm. Uh, Matt, is, is Lorcan Tucker England's player of the tournament so far? <laughs> He's definitely done them a, a serious solid in terms of uh, helping helping to dent Australia's net run rate. I, I'll be honest, I don't think it would have been too much of an issue for England, even if Ireland had been bowled out really cheaply. I think if they win both games, especially because of the fact they play last. I think that, that, you know, there's a chance they would have gone into the Sri Lanka game uh, in the event that they beat New Zealand having a particular equation. So say they had to knock them off in, say, 18 overs or win by 10 or 15 runs. But I don't think it would have been too big a swing. Um, but he has effectively, I think, men, um, and I'm sure Ben will correct me if I'm wrong, but unless Australia sort of hammer Afghanistan by a huge margin, that two wins should probably now be enough for England to get through. Um and yeah, I think he, you know, he played played brilliantly, didn't he? I think especially when you consider how far he's come in the last year, having been running the drinks for Ireland at last year's World Cup and left out in favour of Neil Rock, who was a real rookie at the, at the time. I think he was 21 and was keeping wicket in the last tournament to have sort of, um, I don't know, he's almost, it feels like he's almost stumbled into a role at number three, a little bit like um, Mitch Marsh did for Australia last year, where he, he sort of, um, he'd been floating around the middle order Um not really having any kind of settled role. And then uh, I think against South Africa this summer, he got a sort of, um, was when he first got a chance there and they kept him at number three for the rest of uh, their T20 international summer after that. And 
uh, yeah, he's, re- he's really thrived there. And as I, I suppose the most impressive thing, as far as I was concerned, was the fact that he kept going really hard in the power play, despite the fact that, you know, it was absolute carnage at the other end because um, it would have been very, very easy for him to sit in, go absolutely nowhere and get a fairly pointless 40 or 40. But as it stands, you know, there was a, it was a very, very brief moment, but there was a um, just a flicker of a second where you thought, hang on, Ireland might actually still be in this after 17 overs, which wouldn't have been possible if he just knocked it about and um, sort of tried to tried to save face or just get a score for himself. So, yeah, I thought it was a, a really impressive innings. And, uh, yeah, bodes well for Ireland again that he's someone uh, part of that, that next generation of players um, who haven't had access to county cricket for their development, but has... Um, sort of managed to do well um, just playing through the Irish system and I suppose he's he's the sort of guy along with um, you know looking through Tector and Little and Adair and Delaney and people like that who are going to have to um, be the spine of the team for for the next sort of five ten years going forward and I think he's yeah um, put down a bit of a marker with that innings today. Ben as we've established you've watched a lot of Ireland and he's had a great tournament not just runs here today but runs against West Indies in England as well. Yeah yeah I mean Ireland I've had a They've had a, obviously a great tournament overall uh, and lots of positive signs, especially after a summer where they kind of kept getting close uh, to, you know, pulling off landmark victories. Got, I think that was a defeat by four runs against India in a really high scoring game a couple of times with heartbreak against New Zealand. They had a 3-2 series win against Afghanistan, which was something to shout about. Uh, but they would have still sort of maybe questioned themselves over whether that next level sort of not just the odd upset but competing actually consistently where they could do that and there's been that consistency in this tournament I think you know um apart from in that in that in that first game they've kind of they've properly competed all the way through um and uh yeah some some real bright signs going forward um and and then having said all that you know they need a couple more results to go their way to be guaranteed a place in the next world cup and um, the mm. 28th world cup I mean mm. um very quickly England, New Zealand tomorrow is an absolutely massive game. If England don't win that, they're in serious trouble. Matt, very quickly before you leave us, um, what, are your, what are your predictions for that game? Well, firstly, I, I hope England get on the field and get to play a full uh, T20 match rather than it being affected by rain. The forecast looks not great in Brisbane, but slightly better than when I checked yesterday. Um, so fingers crossed they, they managed to get out there, I think. Um, I, I think England are probably slight favourites as far as I see it Despite for that game, despite the fact that they've uh, not really clicked at this World Cup and New Zealand clearly have. I think um, in isolation, I think England are a stronger team than New Zealand. Um, that said, uh, you know, I don't think it's more than a sort of 55-45 uh, type of a game. I think it, it should be a really tight one. I think it might well be won and lost in the two power plays. England obviously bowled really poorly in their last one and uh, New Zealand have had two very contrasting ones with the bats so far um, you know Finn Allen racing out of the blocks against Australia and then they, they were pretty terrible uh, against the new ball uh, when they played Sri Lanka so um, I think that'll be the, the crucial bit of the game as England bowling to, to New Zealand in the first six overs whether they can um, restrict Allen to a low score and uh, make some real indents into what is a relatively shallow batting lineup. Um, but I think it'll be a really, really good game. Having, uh, I think their last encounter was the the one at the T uh, Twenty World Cup last year, the semi final in Abu Dhabi, which was a real sort of slow burning classic. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed, we get a, another good one at, at the Gabba. Am I right in thinking the forecast is for rain early and then for it to clear up? So Afghanistan could well be looking at a third consecutive washout. Brutal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think yeah, just just on my predictions of that game, I think so much, Matt. You're right. I think so much will rest on 
like Chris Wokes and, and Ben Stokes bowling to Finn Allen in the power play. That could be absolute carnage if Allen gets that right. But equally, uh, England get a couple of early wickets in the power play. They'll be well on top. Anyway, that's all we have time for today. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, Ben. We'll be back tomorrow for our full weekly show after that England muscle game against New Zealand. Sports Social Podcast Network.